The Healing Lives Center is a center for sex, trauma, and marriage education and transformation and has the critical mission to strengthen that which God created and values, marriages and the nuclear family. Dr. Gilbert, your host, aims to provide important teaching on tough topics, great interviews and conversations, and tools just for you, all emphasizing a biblical worldview. Join us now with today's feature. Welcome to the Family Features Podcast. My name is Dr. Corey Gilbert, and I am excited today to have a conversation with Melanie Gall. Welcome, Melanie. Thank you so much. Yes, looking forward to learning about your story and how much you're going to be able to give to our listeners um, just about your your journey and what God has been teaching you through a lot of challenges for sure. So um, looking forward to everyone meeting you. So tell us, Thank a little you. About, yeah. Yeah, tell us a little about your story. Well, I am a, first of all, a child of God and a mom and a sweet five year or five children. Um, we had five kids in five years. And <laughs> when people... <laughs> Tell us stories of when they came to visit us, they use words like chaos and lots of crying <laughs> and not, not a lot of peace. And, uh, you know, people ask me, do you wish that you would have done it that way? And I was like, well, number one, that wasn't exactly what we had planned. We had decided on four and got uh, number five kind of thrown in there. Um, <laughs> but I mean, you can have one kid, you can have 10, it's all hard, it's all wonderful, um, and you can have them close together or or spaced right out, and everyone has, you know, pros and cons, and every which way is some good and some some hard, so uh, lots of kids. Uh, my husband was with the police force uh, here in Canada uh, mm-hmm. for 10 years, um, and that provided kind of a ton of adventure, but also some trials and trauma. Um, yeah, I have a uh, Bachelor of Religious Education from a Bible college here in Canada and uh, really love just sitting with people and um, using my psychology degree to help. And that's why I'm here today. Yeah. Yes. How old are the kids now? Uh, the twins are seven and our eldest just turned 13. Nice. Gosh, yeah. that close together. I can't imagine five that close together. Because every different, it, like in the age gaps, it changes the way the relationships are, um, some of the fighting. <laughs> it's interesting to watch that. Totally, totally. You know, one thing that I was very um, cautious about and really had to pray a lot about was like competition between them because the older two boys were only 15 months apart. Um, but in the Lord's grace, that is something that I don't know how, but it it doesn't happen a ton in our family. And I half wonder if because we moved a lot with the RCMP that there was a family cohesiveness that had to happen. Um, plus, I'm sure we'll get into it a bit later, trauma with our their youngest sibling. Um, also probably nixed that a little bit. So um, yeah, it, it there are many other hard things, but competition between them wasn't one of them so far. <laughs> Well, it's interesting because we really do want to kind of control stuff. So there's a lot of people listening that don't have kids because honestly, they don't want to have their life turned upside down like you're talking about. And so I would, that's a big question mark sometimes in conversations I have. But those that do, we want to control everything. Like that's scary to think about that. And kids really do show us we can't. But yet you, the, you mentioned moving. So absolutely, yes, that affects them. But then trauma from their youngest sibling, it's amazing how difficult times bonds people. 
completely. So tell us a little bit about what happened with your youngest. Yeah, when he was 18 months old, I found him um, gray and unmoving in his crib. Uh, he's okay now, but and he's a that, twin, right? You said that's right. So the youngest twin. twin. That's right. He was the youngest twin, um, and that kind of just started a whole cascading um, effect of uh, all kinds of tests, genetic tests, um, trips to hospitals. We had actually were in the process of a transfer. So we had already sold our house. We had already bought another house two hours away. Um, And so one week later, we had to move with this newfound knowledge that he was diagnosed with um, epileptic seizures, but he had three different types um, and we never knew when or why. Mm. And so it kind of threw me into um, a lot of different feelings, isolation being one of them. Here I am in a brand new it's a small city where we knew nobody where there was an acreage kind of in between neighbors. So, and the people that were on either side of us were in their seventies. Mm. Um, we had two tiny toddlers. They were 18 months old. So one would run one way, one would run the other way. Um, <laughs> yes. You know, and then my husband being the new, yeah, the new police officer in town, there was a ton of stress on him. Um, and everybody knew we were the, the cops family so put on a smile and be the happy happy family that everyone thinks you are you know or at least just do enough good things so that when you slip in a bad thing <laughs> they'll have some grace for you because everybody talks right yes um yeah so his journey led us to find out that he has a rare genetic disorder um that only six other people in the world have so there's not a ton of yeah. uh even data that his neurologist or um epileptologist could find mm-hmm. uh so we are left with um him being medicated which has worked wonderfully uh for him he hasn't had a seizure in 3 years oh, and wonderful. yeah he just has a major speech delay uh i don't know if any of your listeners are familiar with uh, something called speech apraxia mm-hmm. where he he knows everything in his head but just can't form the letters and form his mouth to get the sounds out um so we're just working really closely uh with a speech pathologist and um a number of different therapists as well so yeah that's kind yeah. of our short version and, of him. and so y'all have moved again or are you still in that same small town yeah great question um i think everything so his name is jed our youngest child um everything that happened with him it really left its mark um on me uh you know number one having five kids in five years like i'm also in the realm of gut health and your gut health just tanks when you have so many pregnancies your body's giving so much you're under so much stress lack of sleep all the things right (laughs) um and my ability to cope uh started to go down and down and your husband's working probably crazy hours and crazy hours and because we were the new police um you know family in town i didn't want to tell him that i wasn't doing so well and by not doing so well like i couldn't get out of bed i put cucumbers on the bottom shelf so that the kids could at least reach something to eat that i knew was safe um i tried everything that i could to feel better and finally i just said to pete like we had a luckily praise the lord a great marriage i just said it's either me or or your job like I can't do this in this tiny town anymore 
Um, and so from then, it wasn't a ultimatum. It was really a cry for, for help. So it was a complete cry for help. Yeah. Um, I had hid it from him um, or the depths of my struggle for quite a few months. And I made this playlist of like heavy rap and super dark, dark um lyrics and and music and I finally just said can you listen to this this is where my heart is at and that was the only way that I could kind of break it down because at this point now like I am the woman that he takes to the psych ward and there is no shame in that because truly that's it's there to help people and it would have helped me Um, but there was so much, uh, responsibility on my shoulders and the doctors didn't even know what was wrong with Jed. And, and I had to like keep the house together and we had fires. Uh, there was forest fires in our backyards over a couple of summers. And there was major floods in our houses that unfortunately my husband wasn't around for. He wished he would have been, but just the way, and I mean, just the way that God truly allowed it to happen. Um, I really am a, a believer in the breaking of you is Mm -hmm. the making of you because it's when we are at our very lowest like and it just makes me emotional thinking about where I was when you are at your lowest that's when the Lord does his work because it's in our weakness Mm -hmm. that he is strong and it's in our brokenness that we come to the end of ourselves and see Jesus's face towards us and, and his, and his heart towards us and how he longs to, to be with us and help us. And, and he delights over us, even in our brokenness. Right. Um, yeah. So there was just a lot of, um, things that needed to happen, but, uh, once Pete, my husband knew where I was at, he took a leave of absence from work and we actually, flew across the country for vacation and never came back. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And see, the, like the picture of what we almost expect for ourselves, especially uh, in the world that we live in now, it's we're supposed to put on a facade. We're supposed to be fake. You're the, you know, the police family. So everyone knows you, you know, or the pastor's family or the fill in the blank family. It's, it's so uh, such a setup mm-hmm. to not get help set up to not be honest and you love your husband, so you kind of like, well, maybe I just need to do one more day. But that yeah. one more day turns into weeks and months of actually lying, which is yeah. not, not our intent, not the heart. Because you kind of wonder if you're crazy a little. Completely. But eventually you're like, okay, you broke. And I'd say that was a gift from God. We don't feel like that is so in the in the moment. But um, So then you guys moved where? Back to my hometown, actually, in southern Ontario in Canada, right on the Michigan border. Nice. And so near family, so you can have some help? Okay. Yeah. And just knowing that there was some support. I had done 18 years on my own with no family support. Um, And it was just time. You know, uh, one night, my husband and I were laying in bed and before we moved. And I just was really trying to grasp, you know, the verses in Philippians where it talks about thinking on whatever is pure and lovely and true and noble and wondering like that makes no sense to me I'm in this chaotic world what is lovely like what what is true I can't in in the chaos of life how do I actually grasp that 
Mm-hmm. And so we went through and not, and that's just me. This isn't even coming from Pete's side of things where he's dealing with the horrors of his job, right. And his own journey. Um, and so we really tried to think through like, what is something true that, that I can actually tangibly focus on. And when it got to the word lovely, um, my mom, when she's walking by the spirit, like she's lovely. And I needed that in my life. Um, and I thought, okay, if that's the case, let's do it. Mm-hmm. And that's where, so for you guys, it led back to family. I know we've had a season where we weren't near family and didn't move back near family. And it was certain people in our life that became that lovely to use that word. And for so for some people that listening, we need to be careful that we're not, we just need to do what she did or what he did or what, <laughs> that we're actually on a journey. And it isn't a journey about just avoiding pain. No, it's learning to learn through those. You can't, you couldn't have guessed or done something different to change Jed's, you know, diagnosis. Right. So it's one of those things you have to lean into. Um, Having five kids was, in my opinion, God's design. We, again, like to try to author that ourselves and control conception and control. It's actually humorous (laughs) to me at times, but um, others can't get pregnant and you have five in five years. Like, that's not fair, but that's the wrong wrong economy. That's not God's economy. That's right. So you move back to your family was that near your husband's family or is it just your family there not at all my husband's family um was kind of 12 hours the opposite way um and i'm really glad that you brought that up in terms of moving and we didn't move necessarily to get rid of my pain Mm -hmm. that's what it came down to and that was the catalyst um but for jed because we lived in such a small town he only got speech therapy once every three months um and that that wasn't sustainable like i couldn't help my little boy nobody could help him um in the space where we were plus we had to travel six hours to vancouver um to see his pediatric neurologist and that wasn't sustainable either so moving here um yes we got to be with family and yes there was a change of pace so that i could gather myself and start to heal a little bit um, or even just start to unpack what the heck was happening in my heart and mind. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. But yeah. then for him, you know, he's in weekly therapy sessions. His neurologist and pediatrician are very close by. Nice. Um, yeah. It, and it definitely wasn't getting away from pain because moving to family after <laughs> living apart for 18 years. Yes. <laughs> More drama. That's not a- that's right. That's not a cakewalk. Right. And it's a lot of like, okay, it's a different kind of hard. Yes. And so your husband switched jobs. He did. Uh, it took about a year for him to decide, okay, it's time to retire. Um, because that's a whole journey for him. And especially as a man Mm -hmm. to be the provider and, and to literally be in authority over entire cities of, hundreds of thousands of people you know um to give that up and to give all the specialized training up that yeah I just have so much respect for him because that was a huge journey for him to walk through as well and I think about those listening how all those pieces of that puzzle living you know moving near family but also getting the help and then job changes and there's all those pieces 
Mm-hmm. One of the most important things I believe is the 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 health of our marriage. Uh-huh. You can't make those kind of decisions if you're fractured. Yep. It actually reveals to me it's and I guess I don't even know you, but it, re- it reveals that you guys had a marriage where you were listening. He was listening. Yeah. That's so beautiful. Oh, it's so beautiful. It is just such a testament to the Lord's goodness in our life. Um, one thing that I walk a lot of clients through is their value system. Um, and I have this list of values and I'm sure you've done all this too, you know, um, and you just go through and we whittle down from 70 down to 20 down to 10. And we, and we got our top three and every decision that we made, it had to pass through that filter of, is this going to bring peace to our home? Is this going to allow for personal growth, right? Like just those different pieces. So, um, early on, we were very aligned with, okay, there's something out of whack here and we need to kind of get back to, yeah, yeah, to our values. Neat. Yeah. Getting back to our values. Now, do our values kind of pivoting to that, our values, do they, are they, uh, if they're unconscious, do they still affect us? Is I guess the question I have. Great question. I think I probably had a head start on even my husband because of my wiring, but also my education and also my vocation, right? Mm-hmm. Of just learning how to tease out and continually to ask those deeper questions. Mm-hmm. Um, but we always act out of what we believe. Yep. So if there are some of your listeners who are like, I don't have a hot clue what my values are. <laughs> well, take a just write down what you do every day and how long you do it for and take a look at where your heart is at because that how you're acting and how you're responding and and the things that make you angry, right? Those are hitting against your values constantly. And it's a great place to start. Yeah, it's a revealer. Re- exposure for sure. Exposure. Exposure. Yeah. yeah. yeah the like and then, then you add into that life circumstances like your your husband you know so being married to someone who has a very difficult job um and then also a job where you don't have anywhere to process that stuff mm-hmm. like there isn't usually systems in place and i work with a lot of people that work with first responders and how the whole system is so almost stubborn mm-hmm. of just suck it up and go on to the next one not we seeing that or being a part of that causes trauma hurt pain we've got to understand that or it gets stuck inside of us and so that you become almost the only place for him to go but then you're at home juggling a circus well and not only that yeah completely not only that but then there's the whole issue of confidentiality and we're in a small town and he already knew how low i was so that wasn't even an option so i think that's also what fuels my passion for um, being in this business of coaching and of, um, of helping people in this way. And here's, here's the crack is that, especially in a secular environment where there isn't a ton of help, the help that is even given, it's great to have talk therapy, but unless you're getting down to the core of, of who the person is and this place of vulnerability and this space where they can just share very openly and have someone be okay with that mm-hmm. in order to provide healing, right? Not just to fix, not like you said, not just to slap on a bandaid and say, okay, go back out. Yep. Um, 
and and the deep need for that in our society is um is outstanding yeah yes and and the deep need is jesus the deep Amen. need is a, a reason bigger than myself to live and if you look at those values so many people value that me time i'm going to sit here and scroll on my phone for 14 hours a day it's like really uh-huh. if you really help them see that they were like that's not what i really w- would want to do but my actions showed that's actually my value escaping my kids or escaping from the real world into teenagers and video games, that kind of thing, escaping into, you know, their own little world, but they're the center of the universe. Well, and even when you dive into a scientific level of that, like every time, and I'm, I'm completely guilty of this. Every time the kids are fighting or, there's some chaos happening in the world or whatever I go and I flick because I get those, those hits of dopamine and I feel better. Like that is my addiction and hands down. It's what we all struggle with. Right. And it's like, okay, how do we then, especially with our first responders or especially with our stressed out moms or these men who don't have this shoulder to shoulder time of of people actually seeing them, um, how do we get away from these dopamine hits and this addiction? Um, it just, yeah, is a very, uh, very eye-opening once you start to look into it a little bit. Yeah. And part of our job to working with people is to help you see what you're doing. So reality, and then it's up to you to decide to pivot. We can't make you just like we can't ourselves make changes unless we're aware of it first. So it's that awareness of, hey, you know what? This is these are your values based off what you're doing. Is this really what you want? Is this really who you want to be? Uh, I can think of so many um, moms, the ages of kids you have, and you've you've been through this. Um, that it's the most unhealthy kind of life stage in, in you know ever. Basically, we've your last, and it's constant service, twenty four seven. Mm-hmm. That you're always supposed to be on, which is impossible for anybody. Yeah. And so being able to, how do you teach them? How do you help them be almost self-sustaining at times? How do you help them handle disagreements? You mentioned in the beginning of the competition, because that can just be, depending on personalities, huge. Yeah. Um, but then also the traumas of how did the older ones handle their younger brother and what he's going through and how much that might soften them or or harden them just mm-hmm. how each family it goes through a different journey there completely you know and i it's it, yes it is god's grace and god's goodness to us in our marriage but it's also been hard one where it's been long conversations and deep deep disagreements about about values and about you know where we each stand um and how we view the world and um, you know, respect, what does respect look like in the house? And even back to some of our premarital things of what is my role? Like, is my, is my role simply to, to cook and to clean so that you can come home? And, you know, uh, Pete laughed, he is very gracious. And uh, he came home one day and he looked around and it's when we only had the two boys and this tiny little condo. And he goes, um, would it be okay that there's like a spot for me to sit when I come home. <laughs> and I remember holding both of the babies in my hands and, and standing on one leg while using the other leg to flick a spot open for him. And I was like, there you go. 
you know, like that's the best I got. And so I it's, love it. it <laughs> like awesome. move a diaper, you know, diaper bag, whatever. So, you know, it's not that our marriage is perfect, but we are committed, yes. committed to great communication and to personal growth, each of us separately so that we can come together and bring a piece of our wholeness um, to the table and, and also being willing to say, this is my brokenness. Let's work at it together. You know? Well, that's, I, I first missed what you said and I finally caught hard one. You said it was yes. hard one. I love that. W O N. We, that's we right. got it by actually fighting through emotions, perspectives, differences, and it wasn't fighting each other. It was fighting the, Hey, we're not quite of aligned and we want to be aligned. So we're going to yeah. keep at this until we get aligned. Yeah. That's so, so critical. And so many couples are missing each other. Just they're so close, but they're not actually sometimes willing to fight through. Um, totally. totally. One of the things that I'm super passionate about also is um, like our story. Mm -hmm. So our life story, where did it, where did we come from? Who are the characters in our life that have really made an impact, both good and bad? Mm -hmm. What are the settings all in your life that kind of made an impact on you as well? And when you start to see kind of your family of origin and, and what type of family they were, and when you start to recognize their, their patterns and their um, maybe sins, also the good things, but the sins are what are more prevalent, right? When you're in a fight, yeah. then you each have your family of origin. You each have your stories. And when you come together, there's a level of compassion that happens for each other, but also you're each aware of where you're coming from so that it's not, you're right. It's not me versus you. The Bible talks about that very clearly in a number of different places. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. Yes. It's against the powers of darkness. It's against evil in the cosmos. And it's like, okay, what do I do with this emotion then? What do I do with this anger and this actual hatred towards you for what you said to me? And okay, whoa, time out. Why did that hurt so bad? Yeah. What happened in my story where I've heard that before? Mm -hmm. What happened when I was 10 where it gave me a chance to agree with evil? This lie that perpetrated in my head at that time that I said, I must not be worth my mom's time. Nice. Yeah. I must not be good enough for my dad. Mm-hmm. And then we start to live out of that framework. So those, when I talk about being self-aware, those are the things I mean. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's one thing to go on that journey by yourself so when you're single and some remain single their whole life, which means they need to be in community probably more than ever because yes. it's in community and then in marriage for sure that it's that iron sharpens iron. It's something comes out of that. Because it's people that we don't agree with everything they say or do. We disagree on perspectives. We come from different stories. And so you're exactly right. Understanding where we came from. I love the the story picture of that. If we look at someone in the moment, we don't see what's behind it that led them to think that way, to feel that way, to act that way. And you said that word compassion. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Our default isn't compassion. It's sad to say often judgment opinion so to have compassion orients my heart towards 
a potential connection mm-hmm. or to reach out where sometimes I would want to push away, which is really, it's, it's sad to think about sometimes our default, especially based off our training at times, our, our, our wounds. Totally. You know, my coach, every coach needs a coach. And so I have a couple of them. Um, and Dr. Tina Hay with Living Life by Design, she says, you know, opinion, oh, pin, yeah, and I'm going to pin my thoughts onto you. And so if you can use that as a picture of at the end of your conversation or your fight with your spouse, how many things have you physically, like if you take a post-it note, mm-hmm. how many things have you physically pasted on the outside of them? instead of stopping enough to ask a question to see on the inside of them. Isn't that good? I love that. It's so good. Totally. And often for some, for most couples, there's going to be one of you that's a little less communicative. Like they're not going to get to their words as easy. They're not going to, I remember sitting on the front porch. We had little babies at home. We're in this old 1800s house that I'm trying to restore Um, and I have major health issues. So I'm in and out of hospitals and we were doing really well. I thought, and we're sitting on the front porch. There's a thunderstorm outside. And so we're enjoying the rain and I look over and see a tear running down my wife's cheek. And it was like, no, I just, I, I melted. I was like, I thought we were okay. What happened? Cause she holds things in. And especially at that stage would not tell me because I was working two or three jobs Kind of like that's that, you know, don't want to burden. And she finally, you know, just let go and kind of said what she was feeling. And those moments are necessary. We are stubborn. We're not meant to bear this stuff alone. None of us. No. Yeah. Which is what you do. This is what, what I do. What so many of us do is our, our goal is to help you break free. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So what got you from, or I guess, when did you start moving into more of the coaching space and working with people? Was it when the kids were younger or has it been more recently? Yeah. You know, I, yeah, right before I had kids, um, I actually wanted to become a birth doula. So that's a different type of coach. Yes. Um, So before, uh, before I had kids, I um, got certified in that. Um, and just through the course of life over the next six or seven years with the different kids that I had, and also then, uh, with moving so much, I had to let that go. So it's always been a passion of mine to walk alongside people in that way. Um, and it would be probably in our sixth year of policing. I thought, okay, like we're at a pretty good space right now. Um, I could give of myself to other people, um, And we were contemplating moving to Ontario at this point uh, for just a job opportunity. Mm -hmm. And my coach um, at that time, I took a one week, um, the beginning uh, certification course, and he was from Scotland. And he told the story of living in Scotland, moving to Canada, getting a wife, having some kids, after a number of years, packing everything up and moving back to Scotland. So they arrived back in Scotland all these years later, took one look around, waited for their luggage to arrive, retaped it. Them and all their luggage got shipped back to Canada. Huh. And the whole point of his story was that you can make a decision 
and then you can make another one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so I think because I struggle with perfectionism and I just want to do everything excellent and I want to do it right. And I want to make sure that it's to the best of my ability. I was paralyzed. Perfectionism leads to paralysis. Yes, it does. I don't want to make a mistake. I don't want to make the wrong move. I don't want to spend all this money on a, on a, you know, move if it's not the right one. And then we bring in the will of God. Is this the will of God? And how do we know? And right. We make it all Christian and all complicated and whatever. And it's like, no, do we believe that God is sovereign? Do we believe that we can wreck his plans for our life? Do we believe that we actually have that power? Do we believe that we are stuck in our decisions? Right. And this just comes back to questions. And so, uh, after that first year or first week of um, the coaching certification, it was solidified. Yes, this is kind of where I would like to go, what I would like to do. Um, Pete and I did a bunch of marriage mentorship mm -hmm. uh, and uh, just bringing couples kind of under our wing. We're not experts in marriage. We have done a lot of work and we have our story to share. And right. that's just what we let make ourselves available for. Um, we facilitated marriage courses and just recognizing everyone needs help. We all need help. And are we willing to walk alongside people in that way? Um, yeah. And then, uh, going, uh, full bore and getting my full, um, certified leadership coaching certification and, uh, working with, um, couples and individuals alike. Uh, it's, I've never felt more aligned in who I am and my personality and how God designed me. Nice. Well, it's interesting to think about, you, you mentioned like we're not marriage experts or not, we're not um, trained in that. Yes, you are actually, if you, you're married, so you have the experience of N of one, but if you've read four or five books, you are further ahead than everyone else <laughs> struggling right. and haven't even picked up a book. So if you've done even more than that, Right. Truth is, is what makes us kind of that, I, I like that whole expert thing is annoying to me. Mm -hmm. I remember going through my dissertation, my doctoral stuff, and you're basically, your chapters one, two, and three, you're reporting everything else someone else has done. It's all lit review and backing up with literature. But chapter four, all of a sudden you change tone and you're the expert. It's like, so dumb. <laughs> uh, but at the same you know, time, that's say... the model. That's, that's yeah. the model that you. That's right. They say uh, you become an expert at something after 10,000 hours. Yeah. So maybe nursing babies. <laughs> <laughs> I could truly say I'm an expert at that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. Well, see, even that. So you've nursed your own babies, but to help someone else, that's another whole, that's a bigger step. And that goes for anything. We have our marriage experience and we might even have a great marriage, but it's when you start sitting with people and you realize, wait a minute, what we did doesn't work with them. So what else, what other tools do I gather to help and being open to that? The people that I see, the counselors that I see and coaches that are the most almost um, scary, even abusive, it's the end of one. You do what mm -hmm. I did. They can't. Mm -hmm be flexible enough to see that that's a square peg round hole solution. This one won't work with either that person's personality or circumstances. Um, so even just 
leading a one marriage seminar, so multiple weeks, like if you're leading it and you're studying and interacting with people, you're becoming more of an expert to, and I think that's neat to see that is we all have gifting and passions and there's certain things that just kill us. And there's certain things that make us alive. And the amount of women that I know who did not want children and when they had their first child became a very different person. Just uh -huh. something came out of them in a way that was just like, this is beautiful. Um, I, I, just, I think that's incredible. And often it's things we don't want to experience. We didn't want to try. Um, so marriage, the way we perceive marriage too. Marriage is just hard because my parents' marriage was hard or marriage is yelling and fighting. It doesn't have mm -hmm. to be. So right. it's kind of, it's amazing the gift. Like, I know for both of us to be able to walk alongside people. It's also heartbreaking when you see them yeah. not, willing to do the work and you can see it's like you can see around the corner and you can see you're almost there totally and they give up I, yeah i can tell within the first 30 seconds if if someone's going to be successful yeah right it, and it, it it is scary and i think that's where i've had to learn compassion is it's hard to do the hard inner work. It's vulnerable. It's exposing. It's, we think that if we have like take grief, for example, if we go back into grief and, and allow those feelings to come, the lie says we will be stuck there. Correct. Absolutely true. Right. And it's like, how do we present the truth? in a way that allows people to take one inch of a step towards that healing, because the truth of the matter is with anything, the more we are healed, the more than we can heal others. We have the phrase hurt people, hurt people, but the opposite is also true. And we are called to live in freedom. And it's like, okay, are you willing to take one inch of a step towards healing because it not only changes your life this is for anybody listening it not only changes your life but the ripple effect of it changes the way you respond to people it changes your relationships it changes your the way you parent your kids and the way that you make friends and in fact your whole entire future and the legacy that you leave when more that you are willing to do this work mm -hmm. the more blessing that comes the more freedom that comes and the more um surprising joy that comes i think yeah. no i know yeah, you know <laughs> yes yes i was just as you were speaking something that just came to my mind i was thinking about your husband in that season um where you're living far away from family and he's working a very difficult job very upfront in front of people job crazy hours dealing with all sorts of other drama, you know, in, in the community, if you said fires and floods and uh, so much. And he comes home to you and the kids every day. Like it's back and forth. And there's this rhythm that gets, that happens during that season and how easy it is to get caught up in the, the idea, the mentality that I'm supposed to just have it all together. And you get lost. You slowly are drifting apart. Don't even realize it. You're doing your thing. He's doing his thing. Nothing's wrong. There's nothing bad. There's no sin, if you will. But yet you're drifting. 
and drifting and drifting and drifting. And then finally, you raised your hand. Help. And sometimes that's the hardest decision in the world to just stop and say, I need help. I can't do this alone. And often the other person is beyond clueless. Sometimes they have a clue and they've, they're they afraid of how to approach it, but sometimes they have no idea, which it sounds like again for you guys that, I mean, he jumped at the chance to, to, to respond and to be a partner. He, he wasn't shunning that, which evidence of you guys moving, but um, a lot of couples that's, they're afraid. They're afraid to approach. They're afraid this is their dream job or this is their, your dream position, or, you know, they finally had their dream house. That word dream is sometimes scary, but <laughs> yeah. uh, is well, it I think it? You, And I think that you can replace the word dream with like the phrase keeping up with the Joneses or worldly <laughs> yeah. or yeah. right. Like the worldly standard of what it looks like to have your life all together. Yeah. And it's true. We had to have a ton of courage to walk away from a very well-paying job because of how much he was working, major benefits, major pension plan, all of the things. I mean, I'm 40. So everything our generation was drilled into us about safe um, benefit plan and, and make sure you have your pension and make sure you're going to be stable in your sixties. And right. And it's like, we had to buck the system. We had to go against even what our well-meaning Christian friends were saying and thinking, because it was against what everyone was doing. Right. And it's like, That's hard. what are our priorities? What are our values? How is Jesus able to shine through? I was useless for the kingdom. My discipling making times for my children were gone because I didn't have mental space. I didn't have capacity. I didn't have physical ability, nothing. And so it's like, if that is my number one, mm -hmm. which I personally believe as a Christian mom, that, that is my number one role. Um, how do I change this? There's got to be something different. There's got to be something better. And I also remember, I'll finish with this story too, is uh, one of the things that I did was... Uh, Tony Robbins course on um, like anxiety and depression and all that kind of stuff. And he talked about this white picket fence and how all of a sudden one day when we get hit upside the head, realizing this life is nothing like my white picket fence. I thought I would have mm -hmm. crap. Yeah. What do I do? <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. And Okay. What was I expecting? Because the gap between expectation and reality, there's a lot of harsh feelings in there. And how do we then shorten that gap so that we aren't living in anger and rage and depression? And what were we expecting? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think of the, the amount of people that stay at jobs because of those things. They stay in a job because of the pension and it's killing them. The amount of men that I know that hate their life. And I think mm -hmm. of their kids looking at their dad going, I don't want to be like you or bury someone like you. It's like, we need to really be intentional. That you either love mm -hmm. your job, doesn't matter what it is, or change it. Mm -hmm. But same for your circumstances. That house mm -hmm. is not worth it. If the house mm -hmm. owns you, if the car owns you, none of it's worth it. 
if you're sacrificing and missing out on the discipleship time, the, the time with your you know family, if you're not okay, because some of us are struggling with some major mental health battles. Mm-hmm. So that is, that takes precedence to, to manage, to then be able to have the bandwidth for other things. So that's very, very important. We, are you willing to give up actually literally everything? And I'd say in a bigger picture for the kingdom or yeah. something bigger than yourself. And I mean, my biggest challenge is where is your faith? Mm -hmm. If the Lord has promised to meet all of our needs, Mm -hmm. why do we feel so it's so necessary to provide for our own needs to make sure our future is secure? We don't, we've never been promised a future. We've been promised today. Right. So where is our faith? What does that look like? How can you take one tiny step of faith today to show I am not self-sovereign? I am not self-mastered. I am a servant of God. Mm-hmm. And where is he leading me? That's a that's a courageous question. Mm-hmm. Well, I know for my wife and I, the, the I mentioned earlier the economy that we go by when we moved to from Texas to Mississippi. I was taking a job at a small little college making $24,000 a year as a vice president for something with an almost completed PhD. And my dad was like, no, that's ridiculous. The pay is terrible. Don't do it. And I remember we went, as we navigated, we really feel God's calling us to do this. So we did it anyway. But it was there that I got to teach my first class that opened the door to becoming a university professor that I've now in my 18th year of doing. And all these things happened when we took a step of faith. We actually left that job. Hurricane Katrina hit us. Oh, okay. We were we were there and got our house got hit and dealt with all that. And my wife is a few months pregnant at the time. So we, and we have no running water, no sewer. We can't get out of our subdivision for a week or so because of all the down trees we actually it's we have good memories of that ironically because yeah. we were this young couple expecting our new our first baby but we upped and moved back to texas so i could finish dissertation no jobs we literally put our house on the market sold it and moved with no jobs both got jobs i finished the degree and then i got my first teaching position offer all these decisions that were a step of huge faith mm-hmm. Then we found out we're having a son and the house we left was on a lake with a, we had a pontoon boat. We had a pool. We had the best place to raise a boy. And we're like, we walked away from that. Why? Cause that stuff doesn't matter if you're disobeying God. Then we move later to Georgia and get a job there. We're there for many years, have two more kids, but we at one point moved from Georgia to Oregon. So one coast to the other. I remember driving across the country nine days going, I am crazy. I'm taking my whole family. But my wife and I had a value that Lord, wherever. And it was also, if it's not the right fit, we pack up and move again. Kind of like the story you told earlier. It's like, if it's not the right one, yes, it's an expensive decision. But am I willing to follow you, Lord? There's no house that's worth it. There's no car that's worth it. There's no job that's worth it the sacrificing of your kids or your spouse, your relationship. So that's a big one to me is a value for me of follow God's leading as a couple. And I don't believe God leads a couple separate. 
No. I believe he, if you hear messages that are separate, you're one or both are wrong. Or there's some, maybe some submission that needs to happen on both sides. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, uh, along those lines, there's been, excuse me, there's been a voice in my head of, but to leave that job, aren't we supposed to be wise? Aren't we called to be good stewards? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't keeping our money and keeping our bank's you know, account high so that we could pay the bills, isn't that being a good steward of what God has given us? And it's like, valid question. It is. What does the Holy Spirit say? And do you believe that he is alive, mm-hmm. living inside of you? and willing to talk to you about what it is that you're doing. Do you know what the voice of the Holy Spirit sounds like and feels like? How does God talk to you, right? It's just walking through because to stay in the job isn't bad. If you feel like that's what you ought to do, go for it. That is exactly what you need to do because that somehow is you fulfilling your mission here on this earth for God's kingdom. But if there is this constant uneasiness and unrest in your spirit and your soul, and you know that there has got to be more, I suggest you follow it. (laughs) Amen, amen, amen. So true. And sometimes the hardest part of even dealing with that unrest is sometimes saying to your spouse, can we talk? Mm -hmm. Can I tell you what's going on in my heart? And they may not Mm -hmm. respond well. They may be like, blow up. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Like totally because they're human. But after they calm back down and you start having more dialogues, it's incredible. I remember a season where we didn't have the blow up, but just to, you start talking and you're like, are we crazy? And two days later, you're going, oh my gosh, we're making this decision. Uh-huh. But to me, the best part of that journey is to do it together. Uh-huh. If they're hurting, you should be hurting with your spouse. If your spouse mm-hmm. is struggling, you need to be struggling with them, but also being a strength for them. Yeah. And then also that means the other side of that coin too. If they're full of joy, be happy for them. Be be a partner mm-hmm. in their joy as well. Like there's something that so many couples are missing because they're just kind of ships passing in the night, especially when you have a um, either two income family or a family where he's out here working and she's doing the kid thing you just feel like you're in two separate worlds where some dads walk in the door and they aren't even acknowledged as being present. The kids don't look up. The wife doesn't look up. So he feels lost. There's so many layers to this and different stories. It's like how to almost kind of go, stop, stop the craziness. Look at each other. Your marriage is probably one of the most important gifts. It is the most important gift um, to steward. For sure. Exactly. So when you're asking the question about shouldn't we be wisdom, having wisdom to steward well our job? Mm-hmm. Well, what does it look like to steward well your your marriage, your family? And a question that I often ask clients and I would encourage your listeners to add on to every single decision is these three words at what cost? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, we should go out Friday night. Okay, but what's the cost? At what cost? Well, I'm going to be up late and, you know, that means the kids are going to be up late, which means they're going to be grumpy the next day and we have a really busy day. Okay, is it worth it? Right? Right? Like, it's just this one step further. Hey, we're going to move across Canada. Okay, 
at what cost, right? <laughs> at the cost of our job, at the cost of our pension, at the cost of our friendships, at the cost of our stable life, at the cost of our, but mm-hmm. what are they going to be the benefits? What are we going to reap? What is our family actually now going to become, right? Like what values are we going to be able to start living into that will bring about God's goodness in our life so that it's visible to others so that he can finally shine through us because we are healthier. We are in a better space, right? So at what cost? Well, and I would say if you measure that cost, it's the cost benefit analysis that we're actually always doing even unconsciously, but all the data could say stay and all the data could say, could point to don't do this. And your little son in his life is he needs help. He needs the neurologist. He needs the um, speech therapist. And that one piece of data was like, all right, we're moving. Mm-hmm. So we have to, I have chills just thinking about that. Oh, just sometimes it's that simple. Lay it all out and put it on a whiteboard, put it on a spreadsheet. And that one right there goes that it's an absolute no brand. We had a missionary family. I grew up in Chile, missionary kid in Chile this beautiful family where their youngest is down syndrome and they lived in the southern tip of chile so down in punta arenas and it got to the point where it's like their kids getting older their youngest they have five other kids this isn't sustainable for for what he needs and they had to leave they left the mission field came back to america which just devastated all of us because we love this family um but it was very simple for them and I, I, sometimes the decision is a lot simpler than we're making it is okay. someone's needs, someone's health, someone's um, sanity, if you will. So, yeah, these are not easy decisions. So neat to hear the journey you've been on so far and um, just where where God has you and your husband. And yes, moving back in your family is more drama. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's true. It's also it's got its mix bag, if you will, it's blessings, it's relationships. It's um, like my kids don't know their grand, their, their cousins. They don't know their grandparents as well as they could. Cause we've always lived far away and we wrestle with that. We've def- definitely gone. Are we disobeying you God? And we've, we've gone through those seasons um, and have really, again, as a couple, we're, we're in alignment. We're together on our decision um, and I think that's one of the most important pieces there. Now, your coaching business, your website is melaniegallcoaching.com. Easy peasy. Link will be in the, the show notes too. And um, so people go to that website and what do they get there? What's going on there? Uh, yeah, you know what? I specialize in one-to-one breakthrough. Like that is probably 90% of what I love doing the most because even in couples counseling, I, I take individuals separately before we come together because there is so much of this story work that has to happen behind the scenes before you can actually deal with, he never picks up his underwear. You know what I mean? There's always the deeper things, right? Um, and so the breakthrough one-to-one, I just, I would love to meet with you. There's a 30 minute free session there. You can just click on the link and, um, you know, bring me, uh, your email and the fact that you want to chat with me. And, um, again, I am just a thought partner. I walk beside you, but I really listen for the things that are repeating that are patterns. Um, and I just ask questions. So yeah, it's my favorite thing on earth. 
I love that. Do you do long-term work with people or is it more short-term? A hundred percent long-term, like it's all about the relationship, right? So part of the 30 minute session is just, do we click? Is there trust established there? Is there an ease of conversation and um, an ability to be okay with, um, you know, going a little bit deeper and, and unearthing some of the things that have been hidden for so long? Nice. Yeah. I tell my clients during that, that free session as well. I, I, it's like, you're, it's an interview. You're interviewing me. Totally. If we don't click, please find someone else. Like yeah. but if we do, oh my gosh, I'm so excited to work with you. So totally. that's awesome. Yeah. MelanieGallCoaching.com. Yeah. Click on the free. Where's the free one? Uh, kind of all over the website, uh, up in the right-hand corner, it's a bit of okay. a maroon box. And then you go down to the bottom of the first page, um, book a session, just kind of have a look through who I yeah. see, who I am. Uh, there's a bunch of pictures of my kids down at one of the pages and yeah, just our, nice. our circus. Nice. I love it. Love it. Love it. I know it's always interesting to watch different people and what they do and don't show on online and on social media and um, you go to my social media, it's my kids, my kids, my kids, my kids, our adventures. Uh, even though I work most of the time, um, the picture behind me is just a few weeks ago, camping on the coast in Oregon. It's 99 degrees in Salem. And here it was 60s and cl- like that fog set in and it was just so beautiful. My wife and I were actually there and we were cold, but it was 100 yeah. degrees over and <laughs> just the adventures. Uh, our families are a gift and our gift to steward. We're raising the mm-hmm. next generation. Um, and Absolutely. our discipling of them is so, so critical. Who they worship, uh, who they follow. Right. So great um, to meet you, Melanie. So great to meet you. Thank you. Thank you so heart. much. Oh, I just love what the Lord is doing in me and more and more falling in love with him um, because of that. Uh, if um, your listeners would like to kind of get a bit more of a glimpse of who I am, I actually have a podcast also. Oh, yeah, um, sure. yeah, and it's called Sustained in the Middle, because as you've heard, there's been many times that we just make these decisions and we have no idea what's going to happen or where we're going or this news of twins. You know, you're we're just constantly <laughs> held in the midst of our chaos. And so um, it's available on all platforms, Sustained in the Middle with um, a lady and she has like spaghetti brain on the front so it's not easy to uh not too easy to miss so uh yeah have a look there too i would love to uh, bless you that way nice sustained in the middle on awesome yeah well great meeting you melanie and thank you for this time thank you so so much talk to you again bye thank you for tuning in to the family features podcast it's been an honor to serve If you're struggling and in need, Dr. Gilbert provides a free consultation for new clients. Check out his website at healinglives.com to book a call. If this has been helpful to you, please share it, leave a review, and help us get the word out so that we can see lives changed, marriages touched, and more people come into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. For more help and resources, check out Dr. Gilbert's website for books, courses, and more trainings at healinglives.com. Bless you and your family and all God wants to do in and Remember, your marriage and family are worth fighting for. This is Dr. Corey Gilbert. See you next time.